Today we ask for the nations as our inheritance. As Leif said it perfectly, it's our promise, you guys. It's our promise. So we say to the kings of the earth, be instructed, be wise. 
and kiss the sun. Kiss the sun. Hi, I'm Pastor Devin O'Neill. And I'm Georgia O'Neill. With the One Blood Revival. 400 years ago, our forefathers fled tyranny in search of liberty. Upon arriving in America, they signed a covenant with God called the Mayflower Compact. It stated their undertaking was for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and the salvation of the inhabitants of this land. We believe God is about to fulfill his covenant as he has done many times throughout history at the end of the 400 year mark. However, God does nothing on earth without his people. God wants to use you. Join us for the unity of the churches and the unity of the races for the healing of our nation. And afterwards, you will be given two powerful opportunities to follow through so that we can reclaim the nation for Jesus Christ and secure the liberties for our next generation. We are inviting you to be a piece of the puzzle in the National One Blood Revival, which will be held in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. You do not want to miss this historic event. 22 speakers, three days of intense, non-stop worship, ministry, and prayer. Join us as we contend for the collision of the ancient wells and the latter rain. On 11-11-21, the culmination of the 400-year anniversary of the Mayflower Compact, we will join our faith with the 100-year, 24-7 Moravian prayer campaign and 24-7 prayer houses across America to contend for the revival that William Seymour prophesied 111 years ago. This historic event will take place at the Gathering Church where the late prophet Bob Jones was buried. Bob Jones prophesied when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it would be the sign of the third great awakening. That happened on 02-02-2020. That day we were flying to Israel with the Navajo Nation president, the chief of the largest Indian reservation in the United States of America. The Lord told us to do the One Blood Revival on 11-11. Afterwards, we found out that Bob Jones' favorite scripture was Isaiah 11-11. It says the Lord will reach out his hand a second time. And that's what we're asking God to do. Reach out his hand a second time. Like William Seymour said, a second revival, twice as strong as Azusa, that would spread across America and heal the racial divide. We believe all these prophetic signs are beyond coincidence. This historic 11-11 event will be held at the Gathering Church in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Come and contend with us for reformation, revival awakening, and the reclamation of a nation. Remember, unity begins with you. Become a piece of the puzzle. Amen. That will be here in just uh, two weeks. So we thank God and uh, you guys be a part of that. You guys here today? Yeah, yeah I'm glad you're here. We, uh, there's a lot going on today. And uh, so it's good to be in the house of God. We want to hear what God has to say. I've, um, I've already arrived at the place a long time ago that what men can tell you you know, might motivate you for a little bit, might encourage you, might make you go home and cry, whatever, you know. But what God says is what's real and what's happening, and his word will never return void. You know, it's becoming uh, apparent 
as each, every day that passes by, there's really no one that can save America right now. I mean, there's no political party. There's no institution. There's no person. The only one is Jesus Christ. He's the only hope, but he is a big hope. I, I wanted you to look at something, and we're going to get... Um, we're going to go somewhere this morning, but look over in Jeremiah real quick. Jeremiah chapter 14. Somebody accused me one time. They said, you know, you preach a whole lot out of Jeremiah and Isaiah as if, you know, that was a bad thing. And, uh, but it's not a bad thing. In fact, look at this, Jeremiah chapter 14, but that's not where we're preaching from this morning. But I want to begin there. It says uh, in verse 2 that Judah is mourning and uh, her gates languish and the gates or languish means weak willed or withered and uh, there are many leaders today that have become weak willed and they're withering and the cry is coming up from Jerusalem you see and uh, but what happened is in verse 3 they found no water and the ground was parched how many of you know that when in the Old Testament when there was no water or no rain it was a sign of God's blessing leaving the land, actually. And uh, remember 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. But they, we often forget verse 13, right before that, where God says, if I withhold the rain, or if I send the locusts to devour the land, if my people. And we have to put both of those in the proper context. But anyway, there looks like in verse 1 through 6, there's not a lot of hope. But in verse 7, O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your namesake. Do it for your namesake, for our backslidings are many. And we have sinned against you. And then in verse 8, we see the hope. Oh, the hope of Israel. And how many of you know you could also insert in there, oh, the hope of America and his Savior in the time of trouble. And right now, not only is this nation, but there are many nations and many families in great trouble. But there's hope. Say there's hope. And the hope is found in Jesus Christ. There's no other hope. Now, we want to get into something. And I'm going to ask you to stay with me, okay? Because I have to go after something. I... I remembered the dream that I had standing before the beast. You remember that dream? Some of you remember that. And you remember in the dream, I backed up and I tripped over the curb. And, uh, but you can't back up in this hour. There's nowhere to fall. You got to stand. And uh, so I reminded the Lord this morning, I'm not going to back up. You just got to back me up. And he will back me up. But so stay with me. We're going to cover some things. And then I'm going to get back into that subject that we, we began on, on some of the, the mysteries found in the Bible. Because a lot of those mysteries, in fact, most of the mysteries are unfolding right before our eyes. So we need to have biblical understanding. But look over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, you remember this is really a... Uh, a scripture for today, in my opinion. He's talking about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together with Him. And there's a reminder not to be shaken. Now, you know, everything around us is being shaken, except one thing. What is that? The kingdom. 
So if you're standing on the kingdom, regardless of what is being shaken around you, you're standing on solid ground, right? So you have a place of, of, that's going to endure. But, and he goes on in verse 3, he says, Let no one deceive you, for the day of the Lord, say the day of the Lord. It's not going to come until two things happen. What are those two things? Great falling away from the faith. Can I tell you that's been happening? And the next thing is the man of sin is going to be revealed. The son of perdition, the man of lawlessness and all of that. And he'll be restrained except for when his time comes. And then verse 8 is a great verse. We're going to talk about all this later. And then the lawless one will be revealed and whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. I like, how many of you like that verse? And then in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. This is what I believe is happening right now because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God, say God, God will send them strong delusion. Now the word delusion means error or a false opinion or a fraud. God will send them a false opinion and a fraud except that they have a love for the truth. Because he goes on and says, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might perish. For, they, for this reason God will send a strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now pray with me, pray for me, because i got to deliver what God's put in my heart. And unlike that, I'm going to reverse that dream. I'm not backing up today. If you'd seen what I saw in that dream, you would have backed up too. Because the beast, he's not your ordinary beast, I'm just telling you. But Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the worship. Lord, I thank you. There's sometimes we don't even know what's going to happen. It doesn't seem like it's that orderly. Uh, Lord, we, we don't feel very orderly, to be honest with you, at times. We, we look around us and um, we see a lot of insanity is what we really see, Lord. But we thank you that when we look to you, we find hope and we find salvation. And I thank you, God, that you have a word for this hour. And you told us, let those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And Lord, I'm reminded it doesn't matter how loud I shout. If you've not given someone an ear to hear, they're not going to be able to hear. But God, may we be those that have ears to hear and see clearly and speak up because the hour is drawing late. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the watchman... You don't want to volunteer for ministry this hour unless you're really, really called of God to do it. You know what I'm talking about. Because the watchmen, according to Ezekiel 33, are going to be held responsible 
It says if you see the sword coming upon the land and you don't blow the trumpet, you don't sound the alarm, you don't warn the people, they're, they're going to die in their sin, but their blood I will require at your hand. So it's not something that you want, you know, trying to stand under the lights. It's not really where you want to run to in this hour unless you've been called to run there. And if you've called to run there, you need to run there and you need to be who God's called you to be. Now, early this morning, I woke up thinking about a, um, a story that I heard a lot of years ago. And, and uh, probably that was the Holy Spirit. And he wanted me to remind you of this. And so I'm going to remind you of this. But it was about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, among all that he was, he was a great commander that never lost one single battle. Because he had standards for those that would go to war under his command. And one thing that Alexander the Great could not stand was a coward. And one day a young man, a soldier, was brought to Alexander the Great, accused of running from the battle and Alexander the Great, you know, walked up to him and asked him his name. He said, what is your name, soldier? The soldier said, my name is Alexander. He had the same name. And Alexander the Great was taken back. He said, what did you say your name was? He said, my name is Alexander, sir. And then he got a little louder. What did you say your name was? And the soldier, trembling, said, Alexander, sir. And he asked him one more time, what did you say your name was? And then at that point, he just said, Alexander, sir. At that point, Alexander the Great took his hand, knocked the soldier to the ground, drew his sword, stuck it at his throat, and said, soldier, change your conduct or change your name. And you know we're living in an hour right now. You better not be a coward. Do you know what happens to cowards? Does anybody know? I want to read that scripture real quick if you don't mind. Because in America today, the pulpits are filled with cowards. And God's going to say something about it. Let me look in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 and 8. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be his son, or my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, sorcery, Pharmakia, that's the Greek word, sorcery, idolaters, and all liars, say all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. How many of you think God meant what he said? You know, we don't really have... A choice. You can't pick and choose what you prefer to preach. You preach what God tells you to say. And it's in the word. Preach 
the word. Be ready in season. If there's ever been a season where men and women, it doesn't matter, must be ready, it is today. I have heard about this man, Bishop Vagano. How many of you have ever heard? He's, he's an outspoken Catholic leader. Sounds like he knows Jesus to me because he's trumpeting truth. In fact, he recently wrote a letter to all the bishops and cardinals warning them to not give in to the mandates that are being pressed upon them and to warn their people. Now, Bishop Vagano is a marked man. In fact, he's probably hunted. It's what, if, if what I heard was he's actually in hiding. If you tell the truth today, you better be willing to pay. You might want to consider, are you willing to pay the price? Because you're going to be a marked person. I, I saw a surgeon standing before a school board meeting. Now, you know, they summoned the FBI to attend school board meetings to guard the, the personnel from those dangerous parents. You know, that are, it's all over the country. Parents are rising up attending school board meetings. And we must, we must not allow those parents to have their say. They might tell the truth. And so anyway, they're going to issue the FBI and such as that. They may start attending churches. Maybe there's one here today. But anyway, I saw he's, he's telling, he's challenging the school board. You know, let the parents decide, let them choose. God ordained them to be the parents. Anyway, he got fired for saying that. But that's happening all over America. Used to in America, you could have freedom of speech. You could give a second opinion. Well, whether they want to hear our second opinion or not, this is the hour to give it. You know, we're a Moravian, we're not a Moravian church, but we are in Moravian Falls. So we want to, uh, you know, we want to represent that, the heartbeat of the Moravians, don't we? I do. The history, did you know that in the history of the Moravian church, they literally had what was called the Moravian well? Did you know that? And it, in fact, there's a replica of, I guess, that well in Oklahoma. I would not have known about it, but show it up on the screen. But Devin sent it to me, Pastor Devin from Baton Rouge. He's doing the One Blood Revival. He sent me a picture. This is in Oklahoma. It's the, it, what was known, the Well of Truth. It was a Moravian well. And what it points to was a statement that John Huss, the founder really the father of the Moravian movement, and a man that was burned at the stake. I mean, he really had, you know, he, he was a martyr. He was burned at the stake. That would probably hurt. Probably would, but here's what he said. He was defining true Christianity. He said, so true Christians, they look for truth, they listen to the truth, they learn the truth, they love the truth. They talk the truth, they adhere to the truth, they defend the truth until death. 
and he gave his life. Now, you can take that down, but you know what we spoke a few, and I'm going to get in the Word. Stay with me. But we have to go after something. We know they're coming after the children. We know things that are happening right now. My son is facing what you or many of your people are facing to whether they'll make a choice. What is it, one-third of the Seattle Police Department? How many in Chicago, the police department, so many are having to make a choice? Will they abide by the mandates of the government? Or will they live by the conviction of their own conscience? And so we're going to have to make those decisions, but now they're coming after our children. Five and up, what are you going to do? Are you going to give in? Are you going to live by your conviction? In my opinion, we need to shout today louder than we've ever shouted. If you can't stand for your children and your grandchildren, don't you dare call yourself a child of God. Because you line up under Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, as being a coward if you can't stand for your children. Now, just a few things. Let me mention. Number one, you know it's all out there now. It's all coming out. All over America, people are standing. For a little while, this morning I wanted to find out who won the World Series game last night because I couldn't stay up that late. You know, did you stay up that late? So anyway, I, so I looked online, the Atlanta Constipation, no, Constitution, whatever it is. And anyway, I didn't look on the paper. I just trying to find Atlanta you know, who are they playing? Oh, Houston. So anyway, I'm trying to find out who won. And I found out, I found in the Atlanta Constitution, right on the front page, right next to them, where they were talking about a local physician that was daring to defy the general opinion of all that's happening. And basically, they were in that article saying, this man must be punished. This man is leading people with misinformation. One man against all the opposing voices. I thought, why are they threatened by one man? I know why they're threatened. In other words, what they're claiming is helping people, number one, has been proven to not help them. It is not safe and it is not efficient. The evidence is overwhelming. You have to close your eyes to say that it is. It is not even what they say it is. It is a biological weapon. It has not been approved as they claim it has been approved. They lied. It is something else that's been approved. You can get what they say they're trying to protect you from. You can spread what they say they're trying to protect you from, and you can die from what they say they're protecting you from. And I've seen articles, not many in America, because they quickly remove them, but all over the world, people are standing up telling the truth while they have the opportunity. And then they're removed as well. Military. Do you think it's a good idea that we remove a third of our military? Do you think 
If you were trying to take over a nation, you think that would be a good plan? Remove one-third of your military. Yeah. Well, there's so much you know the stories as well as I know. I want to get to the word. It's, create, it's, a, it's a madness. It's creating a supply chain. I remember when I was in the former USSR, what, there was a, a million people that died of starvation, not because they ran out of food, but because of the policies of the communists. It's always, it's always that way in history. So anyway, I've looked at all this stuff, and I've come to the opinion, number one, it's either tyranny, it is global communism, that's one option, or number two, it is a dark, satanic agenda. And my own opinion is more and more, it is the second. Now, I'm not saying this, as we've said before, I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast. I believe God's going to forgive and heal and deliver. We're going to see miracles like we've never seen in the history of Christianity. But I know we're in the ball game. The Lord impressed upon me. It may be the, the first inning, the second inning, the fifth inning, the eighth inning, since we're on baseball. It may be the ninth inning. I don't know. But I know that decisions we make today will impact the decisions that we make tomorrow. And the church cannot be silent. We cannot. Especially regarding our children. Now, just one more thought. I'm going to get to the Word. Say, I'm going to get to the Word. The same people that are promoting the extermination of 70 million American babies in the womb are the same people promoting all of these mandates today. Do you think they have our children's best interests at heart? When they have the blood of 70 million children dripping from their hands. Anyway, you do a little study, you'll find out, what is it? In the UK, two, of, two out of one million children actually succumb to this. Anyway, the statistics are absolutely crazy. In New South Wales, Australia, we've been hearing about Australia, tyranny. They've not stood America, we will see where we stand. A certain region of Australia, 8.5 million people. They called a press conference because of 378 hospitalizations. 378 out of 8.5 million people. And 356 of them had fully complied with the mandates of the government. You have natural immunity. They tell you that doesn't count. No, it counts. God gave us natural immunity. Anyway, it's a global madness. Now, I got to tell you the story, then I'm going to quickly get through the word. Because this, this I, I, when I heard this, I said, God, I know that probably 90 8% of pastors are going to avoid this. Probably so. Maybe 97. Maybe 99. I don't know. But I told the Lord, I'm not going to. Because I, when, I, when I heard this story, I saw Addie. I saw my, my granddaughter. And I thought, listen, the people that 
allow this to happen to their children anyway. So I said, I'm going to be one of the 1% or 2%, whatever it is. But I heard a Texas businessman, and I'd heard of him before. He's a committed, spirit-filled Christian man, big supporter of a lot of ministries. And, uh, but he was being interviewed, and I'd, he's a man that's standing for truth. He's not these wimps. He's, this man, I don't know how he's still alive. I know a lot of ministries that have gotten sick by this, and you would almost wonder, how did they get sick? They don't even go out in public. Anyway, it's a very strange time in which we're living. But this man from Texas, he said God gave him a dream. And in the dream, he, the Holy Spirit took him up to where he was overseeing this bridge. It was like a suspension bridge. And underneath was water. And he looked out and he said a lot of people were carrying their children and their grandchildren in their arms, walking to the bridge, to the highest point of the bridge. He said he looked at them and they, they, it was like they were in a trance. And when they got to the highest part of the bridge, they dropped their children and their grandchildren to their death. And he said he woke up and the Holy Spirit told him, you better do something about it. When I heard that, I said, God, I don't know what I can do, but I'm not going to back down. Our children are worth it. And it's time to draw the line. You know, Jesus drew a line in the sand. He said, either you're for me or you will be against me. That's all. That's it. You're going to be madly against him or passionately for him in this hour. You're going to have to decide who you serve. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Now, one more thing. That dream, remember the end of the dream after I had that encounter with this beast? And I was in the barber shop getting a haircut, telling the barber to put more hair back on than he was taking off. <laughs> you know. Anyway, he took this measuring tape, remember, and put it up against my heart. It's about your heart. Ultimately, it's about the heart. But anyway, the, the gist of that was you've been groomed for this hour. We've been fitted. We've been groomed. This is the hour we've been called to. So don't fear the hour. Face the hour. Be bold as a lion. Someone said it's too late to wake up the sheep. Because they're in a trance. I don't think that totally. But the message was, it's time to arouse the, the lions. So arouse the lions, the sleeping giant, and be the church. You know, some people, I, I hear both. Some say, this is it. And some people, you know, they're downplaying it. If you downplay, let me tell you, they're in, it's serious business. But we opened up with Jeremiah chapter 14. And the, though their sins, their iniquities was bef were before him. What, was, what did Jeremiah say? Lord, do it. We might be surprised what God is about to do in this nation. 
regardless, and I know there are different opinions and everyone is allowed to have their own opinion about all these things going on. The only thing we agree with is what God says in his word. But what if God had something yet he was about to do? You know what he needs? Us. He needs you and me. So I vote that we volunteer. And I personally believe these are going to be the most exciting days in the history of Christendom. Now, the last time that we were together, that I spoke, we were looking at the mysteries of the Bible. Let me just review a few things and then talk about the ones that I see that we need to touch on that are very relevant for the hour. You know, if God didn't open your eyes, you can't see these things. But the Bible says, eye is not seen, and this is all true. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man the things that he's prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them by what? By his Spirit. So we must be not those who just see by the seeing of the eye or hear by the hearing of our ear, our natural ear. We have to be a people that see and hear by the Spirit. I think somebody spoke prophetically. You know, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. Now remember, I'm going to try to, if you weren't here a few weeks ago, this will all make sense. But, well, that's the goal anyway, is that it makes sense. You know, the Holy Spirit will help. But remember we said... Well, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I will do what? I will send the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you. And then later on, he'll be upon you, empowering you. And in other words, he said, it's to your advantage. If the Holy Spirit is with us, and he is, say he is, then we are always at the advantage Regardless of what's going on on the outside, we have the advantage. The odds are always in our favor. To bar that, uh, that phrase from the Hunger Games. You know, there were people that said the Hunger Games is a prophetic picture of the times to come. Well, that's why we might want to uh, know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But anyway, we're always at an advantage. I don't care what they do. They might write about you in the Atlanta Constitution. They might single you out as the threat to humanity. Well, I appreciate Martin Powell last week. He reminded us. He preached on love, the royal law of love. Because you got to remember this. Remember what Paul said 1 Corinthians 13, though you understand all mysteries, you, though you can speak to the mountains, you got faith, you give your body to be burned, all these things. But if you don't have love, you're nothing but a clanging symbol, a bunch of racket that somebody needs to cover up, just deliver us from. So we want to have love. So you can understand all the mysteries, but we got to make sure we have love. So anyway, just to review real quick, and then we'll get to the main thing. We saw that in the book of Ephesians, there are five mysteries mentioned alone in that book. There's the mystery of God's will. 
And we talked about that, that many people can't find. It seems like they can't find God's will. Well, you can look all your life. It's not so much you finding. Now, there is an aspect of finding the will of God. I'm not totally discrediting that. But it's more surrendering to the will of God. And when you surrender, you find it. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And do you think he walked in the will of the Father? 100%. Because he surrendered his own will to receive God's will. And it is God who is at work in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I must believe that he's faithful to work inside of me to bring about what he's determined is his will. And he's faithful. Well, there's a lot more we could say about that. Secondly was the mystery of Christ. And this was Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through verse 6. And basically, it was speaking to Paul, or Paul was speaking, reminding the church that the grace had been given to him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and how that was a mystery. The gospel, the good news. You know, it's not the good news of some new revelation or a new discovery or the latest, you know, invention. It's the good news of a person of which we stand. This good news is all about Jesus Christ. You and I, if you've not noticed it, we don't have all this figured out. And I don't know if we're going to all get it figured out. We love one another. We bear with one another. God's got it all figured out. And if we focus on him, then we're going to find that the good news is going to be proclaimed. And the good news is God's news. And it's about a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And then there was the mystery hidden in God, remember that, from the foundation of the world. Remember that. And that was about how that we, the church, and I believe it's a word for this hour, must walk in its purpose of displaying to the powers and principalities in the heavenly places the manifold wisdom of God. The many-sided wisdom of God. Shirley and I, she helps me all the time, and she was writing down, you know, all the things that are happening in this hour, they're happening on many fronts. There's like a multifaceted attack. You know, there's the food chain. You know, there are lies, the mandates, the climate crisis. This week, they're meeting somewhere over in Europe. And I saw the Prime Minister of Israel has already set the stage. We are in a climate emergency. So you're going to start hearing about that, I'm telling you. You're going to start hearing about it. Don't fall for it. I could show you in the Scripture. It's all laid out in the Bible. The problem is men have forsaken the Word of God for their own opinions. They're even tossing something around called climate lockdowns. I ain't going there. I'm not, I'm not. Anyway, if you hear about it, remember you heard about it first here. And don't believe it. But anyway, Shirley, was, we were talking about, there are weather changes, obviously. And then the volcano, La Palma. You know, there's people think all kinds of stuff about that. But there's insane spending, inflation, 
Unbelievable spending. You know, my dad taught me, you spend what you have. Man, our government threw that advice out a long time ago. They're censoring free speech, a radical agenda. And the church must speak up. This week, Jerry, Labrada, and I, Shirley, we went to hear our lieutenant governor, Lieutenant Mark Robinson, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a mighty man of God. And he, I hope he becomes governor. I'm just telling you. I hope he becomes president, President Robinson. I'm telling you, he's a mighty man. They're scared to death of him. Because he's standing for truth. They don't like, you know, he's a man of color, but he's a man of principle. And he's made some statements recently about the per sexual perversion in our schools in North Carolina. And he had the audacity to say that he believed in marriage. You know, marriage between a man and a woman. So they were calling for his resignation. You remember that? It's been in the news. I don't watch much of that news, but I heard about it. And this week he was talking about that. He said, they were calling for my resignation. He said, I want you to know I've already resigned. I've resigned my life to the person of Jesus Christ, and I don't have a choice what I say or what I believe. I'm Jesus' servant, and I'm going to live for him. And I thought, God, let that be the testimony of the church today. We've already resigned from this life. We don't live in this life. I'll send it to you. You send me a text. I'll send it. But remember what Jesus said. Behold, I give you authority. Now, did he give us authority or did he not? I give you authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. But don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. But be glad that your name is written in heaven. God's going to have a people. Now to sum that up. God's going to have a people that will not back down from the principalities and powers that are threatening the nations. Our freedoms. Our lives. They're going to stand. And then the next was, and I love talking about this, the mystery of marriage. Remember we talked about it. I won't bore you with that. But it's still a mystery. How can you still, anyway, it's just amazing to me. You know, these guys that give up, I'm so glad I've been married 33 years. And I ain't given up. I hadn't wanted to give up. Some people say your marriage gets... You know, after a while, it, the fire cools down. It does not. It gets hotter. It gets hotter. I'm just telling you, I know many had unbelievable, horrible things happen. And God restores, God forgives. He restores the years the locusts have devoured. He's that kind of God. But anyway, it's a mystery. How many of you know it's still a mystery? You try to figure it out. It's a mystery. Your wife is going to always be a mystery in some ways. And you're going to always be a mystery to your wife. And then there was... Yes. There's the mystery of the gospel, Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul's addressing the gospel of your salvation. 
And it's a mystery to me. You hear the message that you're lost. Okay. Then you believe it. You confess it. And then all of a sudden you find, wait, there's a remedy to what you're, the mess you're in. It's called salvation. And it happens. It's a mystery. You're born, being, can anybody explain born again? Now, I know it means born of the Spirit, born from above. But I'm, I feel like Nicodemus, Lord, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? Enter back into your mother's womb a second time? No. The being born again is a mystery. Then there's the mystery of the kingdom. And we really need to take off in that. You know, we, I, I hope the Lord lets me quit some of these subjects. I want to preach on the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. To me, that is the number one message other than Jesus. It's pretty cool. I'm just going to be honest. This morning we have a group of, you know, we're connected to a bunch of pastors in our county, which is really good. And if you haven't signed that uh, resolution that we're going to turn in Tuesday night to the county commission to make Wilkes County a, a sanctuary, a, you know, a county, a sanctuary of life, you can sign that. But anyway, we were, this was another group of pastors. There were about 20 pastors. And... Uh, you know, they're just encouraging one another with a text. You know, you fire, let fire fall, where you, all this stuff. And so I, anyway, one guy asked, what are you preaching on today? So I, uh, I answered, I put Jesus with a bunch of explanation. Jesus. And really, that's, that's the message. It's the kingdom. And we want to be those that bear fruit. And then the mystery of Christ in you. Now, quickly. Because i got to get to the main thing. I'm going to do it quickly. But Christ in you, the hope of glory, is a mystery. Two things. First, Christ in you. But secondly, in you. You have a part to play in allowing him to live in and through you. And it's a mystery. But it's a glorious mystery. And it's the mystery the world is looking for. It's the hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the hope. And then there was Mystery Babylon. I loved getting into that. We only touched it on it. But I'm telling you, this stuff is being lived out, played out before our eyes. We should pay attention. But here's a real brief summary. Number, here's what we saw. Mystery Babylon is a reemergence of an ancient evil system that will make its appearance again at the end of the age. The Great Reset is really an old vision from Genesis being revived at the end of the age. It's older than the hills. They think they, think they came up with it. It's a great reset. One of the men who lead that said, you will own nothing and be happy. No, that's not true. My father owns it all. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And whatever you think you can take from me, you can't take it. Because it's my father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Anyway, it's, you have to laugh a little bit or you can sit down and cry. You make a choice. You can cry or you can laugh. Seems like Psalm 2 says, God in heaven looks at their foolishness and he sits in the heavens and he laughs. 
Secondly, just as there was a spirit of Antichrist that's always been, there will be a revival of Babylonian spirit. It's a spirit. We're in a warfare, spiritual warfare. And then it's a final appearance will be global. It will reach all over the world. Every nation on earth will be confronted and have to face the beast. Looks like to me. And then there'll be a demand for your complete allegiance. If you do not comply, you will pay. Well, we've already resigned. We've already paid. He paid for me. And then, you know, you'll be a target. It's the ultimate abomination on the earth of wickedness, rebellion, perversion, deception, and seduction. Well, Lord, what did I see this week? Now on the U.S. passports, there's a third gender. And two of the world's leaders were actually mocking. They should mock us. There's only two genders, male and female. And so in the United States government now, there are at least three. Actually, there are probably more than that. But there's two. Perversion. Babylon, Babylon is known for spreading its filth to every nation. I remember when I was on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. This was years ago. I won't name the name. But they, the former Secretary of State had, in that day, she had just left demanding that the Dominican Republic bow to abortion or we will remove our funding from your nation. If I remember correctly, they told her to go take a hike. Spreading their evil all over. And then I could go on. There's so much more. I won't talk about this, but over in Revelation chapter 17, this Babylonian system will sit upon the seven mountains right at the end of the age. Oh, brother. Well, they'll make war with God. The armies, you know, will rage war against God and against His anointed. It'll all be built on deception and lies, but the Lamb will come and overcome them with a great army, those who are called, chosen, and faithful. Now, in the next 15 minutes, say 15 minutes, can you give me, I want to just touch on the other mysteries in the Bible, because some of them, they're still a mystery. And the, the one is, and this, it mentions this, is the mystery of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, verse 50, and you remember these scriptures about how we all are going to one day face death. But there's an ultimate victory. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And the last trump, for the trumpet will sound. It's almost like I can hear that trumpet before it's actually sounded. You know what I mean? You can hear maybe the trumpeter standing up, warming up 
But anyway, we know that this corruptible body, we need a new body. Thank God we get a new body. Is that a good thing? It is a good thing. The older you get, you realize, you, you young guys, you don't know. I'm just telling you, it's a good thing that you're going to get a new body. But anyway, the final, oh, death is swallowed up in victory. You know, they thought they had our Lord. They thought they had him. He was dead, but he rose again. You know, they think they're going to have us. But I have another. I have something to tell them. As our Lord died, so shall we die. And as our Lord has been risen, so shall we be risen. Listen to this. Romans 6, 5. For if we've been united together in his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You couldn't keep him down, and you can't keep me down. We can't keep, you ain't going to stay in the grave forever. Some of you won't even go there. You might just bypass. And then there's the mystery of the salvation of Israel. Now, some people understand this more than others. But I just want to read this. Because I know people that are leaving this part of the Bible out. I can't leave any of it out. Look at that. Romans 11, verse 19. Where you should, let me just read. You know, the Bible sometimes does a good job just telling us what it means without us telling us what it means. For you will say, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Good, good job. That's a good job. Because of unbelief, they, Israel, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Don't be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branch, he may not spare you either. Therefore, therefore, see what it's there for. Consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in goodness, or, in, you, know, or you will be cut off. And, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Is that what he said? For if you were cut off, out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivative olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I, desire, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of, these, of this mystery. Say mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Speaking about Israel. For as you once were disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they may also obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to, all to disobedience, that they might have mercy on all, or he might have mercy on all. You could just read that. But it's a mystery. How many of you know it's still a mystery? But God's got a plan that's still yet being 
revealed. And then there's the mystery, and this is what I wanted to get to. The mystery of lawlessness. We need to understand, go back with me to 2 Thessalonians. Just a few, a couple more things. But the great apostasy concerning the coming of the Lord. We already saw we're not to be shaken. Like everybody is being shaken. You don't want to live in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. Fear, that is how they are accomplishing their goals through the spirit of fear. You and I have been given authority over fear. And faith, perfect love, cast it out. But faith is also, does great damage. But God's love is what the world really is looking for. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, don't be shaken. Don't let anybody deceive you. Because there's a great falling away. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because they didn't love the truth. They didn't have a love for the truth. And they didn't believe. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. So they will believe the fraud. They'll believe the lies. They'll believe... Anyway, Jesus already told us these days would come. Matthew 24, concerning the last days and the end of the age, he said lawlessness will abound. And because the love of many will grow cold. And there's a rising hatred. You want to be hated today. You be like John Huss. Be one that drinks from the, the Moravian well. The well of truth. And then speak that truth. And you will be hated. Now I want to show you that this is amazing. First Timothy chapter 1. Look over in verse 8. I think this will help us understand some things that are going on. But in verse 8 it says, But we know that the law is good. Say good. If. you got to put the word if in there. If one uses it lawfully. The law is no good if you use it unlawfully. So it's good if you use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, a righteous man. But for the lawless, the insubordinate, the ungodly, and for sinners, for the unholy, the profane, the murderers of fathers and the murderers of mothers, manslayers, fornicators, sodomites, kidnappers, for liars, and perjurers. And then if you're sitting back there saying you left out some things, well, the next part says, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So the list can go on and on. So in other words, the law is good, but the law was not made for you and me. It was made for the wicked. In other words, think about it this way. The law was made to restrain the wicked and release the righteous to be the righteous, right? To let their light so shine to be the salt of the earth. The corruption comes when it's twisted around. 
When the law is used to restrain the righteous and release the wicked, that's when you must, you must rise up. Because that law is a perversion of what God has intended. That's why you can't just, you know, Romans 13, whatever authority was there, you must obey. What if they tell you to sacrifice your children to Molech? Is that law holy? No. If the law is good. Anyway, I just think that's amazing. That's exactly what's happening. Restrict the righteous. Silence the righteous. And release the wicked, the insubordinate, the rebellious, the murderers, the liars, the sodomites. Wow, God, you told us how this was happening. Lord, this is getting exciting down here. So anyway, so lawlessness will abound Secondly, just sum it up, restraints will be removed. That's the the whole spirit behind the defunding of the police and running off the police. There's a reason you want to run off the police. What happens when you run off the law? You get lawlessness. Oh, wait, I almost forgot. Why was not the law written for you and me? Because the law is written in our heart. It's written when we come to faith in Jesus His law is written in us, and by the Spirit, we know what is right and wrong. And so we don't have to be under the law. The law is part of us. It's it's in us, written on the tablets of men's heart. And then another thing about it will be accompanied these days, lawlessness with false signs and wonders and power. Then there will be a release of the unrighteous deception among those who perish because they didn't love the truth. There'll be strong delusion. But ultimately, in verse 8, this is, what, this is my favorite part of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's why we pray, even so come Lord Jesus. You know, they're awful cocky in this hour. You can read about it. It's like something shifted. They've moved now. They're not even hiding what's happening because the people aren't paying any attention anyway. They've got them dumbed down, so they just are being boastful. Well, God will have the final word. And then, and you know what will overcome all this is the mystery of godliness. Mystery of lawlessness. The answer is the mystery of godliness. Turn over one page if you are maybe two pages depending on your version. But 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. And this he reminds the church, which the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. If we do not tell the truth, we are not the church of the living God. You may be some church on the corner, but Jesus is the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. So we are the pillar. We're the foundation. We're the ones in the society that says, no, that's evil. And that's good. That's unholy. And that's holy. If we don't do it, guess who will do it? The devil. He'll tell the society, no, 
what they say is good is actually evil. And what they say is evil is actually good. And the majority of America has followed that advice. Because the church has not been the church, but we're going to be. Now here's the mystery of godliness. Verse 16, and without controversy. It should not be a controversy. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And then he describes it. It's very simple. Number one, God was manifested in the flesh. What does that mean? That Jesus was all man and all God. He is God. There's sometimes folks knock at my door and they want to share with me their version of the Bible. And you can pick it up right off. They don't see Jesus as God. They may see him as a good man. No, Jesus is God. God was manifested in the flesh. And we can't back off of that. There is no controversy there. And then justified in the spirit. That means he was set forth, set right. He was guiltless, tempted at all points, yet without sin. Then he who knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. And there's no other way to the Father. There's no other formula. He was then seen in heaven. Seen by angels. And I'm telling you, not only is he being testified out of the heaven, he's being testified by those who've seen him on the earth. And though our eyes may not have seen him, if we know him, we might as well have seen him. Because we know him. And we can testify that he is who he says he is. I heard someone say either Jesus is the biggest liar that's ever lived or he's exactly who he says he is. And I tell you, he is exactly who he says he is. He is the son of God. He lived a sinless life and then he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And then it says he's preached among the Gentiles. Preached, I'm telling you, it's going to happen one more time. And it's going to happen in America. You're not going to lock up the church If I read correctly, Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, there's a lot of the said that was his church that really wasn't his church. They might get locked up. But I'm telling you, you can't lock up the church of Jesus Christ. Because the gates of hell, the gates, you can't close the gates on his church. You cannot prevail against those who know Jesus as Lord. And it's going to be demonstrated, preached on among the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Received up in glory. And then in chapter 4, that's why he says, you better preach because some are departing from the faith, but you stay the course, you preach the word, and let God be glorified. And then the last mystery. Now, there are many other mysteries. You can't cover them all. But it's the mystery of redemption. And you can find this over in Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and verse 26. But basically, it's speaking about the mystery or the plan of redemption from the foundation of the world, how it was hidden in the prophetic scriptures, but now it has been revealed. The Messiah is not coming. The Messiah has come. And his name is Jesus. And he is the one that has been appointed to save men and women from their sin. And as long as you and I live in this life, it is going to be true that God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's a mystery to me that God loves me. It's a mystery that God would send his son knowing what I would do, but still his son died for me, and he died for you. And it's a great mystery, but it's a mystery that once again is going to be revealed all over the earth. The mystery of redemption. Can anybody say amen? Amen. You still thinking about something I said earlier? I'm just a man. I'm glad. He ain't just a man. He's God. You trust him. Trust him to lead you. Trust him to speak to you. And he will show himself faithful. But I want to pray right now because I know that there are those watching and maybe someone in this room that never met Jesus. I know, I believe most of us are saved. But we cannot just, you know, take that for granted because they're going to be coming in the doors. You know, what the enemy plans for evil, God will intend for good. The grocery stores start, the shelves get a little bit more empty. You're going to find them walking in those doors back there. And we better have the goods. We better have the goods. Because religion is not going to help them. So I want to just pray right now for those of you that, that need a Savior. You're not certain that if you died at this moment that you would spend eternity in heaven. And you say, how can I know that I'm saved? Well, first, you've got you to be drawn to him. The Holy Spirit draws us. No one can be saved unless the Father draws them. And Jesus becomes real to you. And you must then realize that you've sinned, that you've failed, that you've fallen, that Jesus lived a sinless life, but you hadn't. And you confess that, and then you repent. That means you change. You're willing to turn from your sin and turn to faith and to follow him for the rest of your life. And the Bible says if you confess Jesus as Lord, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? You will be saved. So I want to pray that right now for someone watching or maybe you're in this room and the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Then I'm going to pray for everyone. I'm going to pray for a measure of faith and strength. Because if you think the news has been bad, it's about to get worse. But not the good news. The worse the news is, the better the good news will actually sound. So it's just a setup. A setup for you and me to be who we're called to be. So I want to just pray. Just say, just pray this, you guys watch. And say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he lived, that he died, that he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I turn my life over to you. I turn, I forsake my way and I choose to follow you as my way. As was spoken Helen reminded us earlier, Yahweh. I choose to follow Yahweh, your way, Lord. 
I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I confess you with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And I thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord. Fill me with the fire of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me in my family, my city, my nation. Make me a a burning torch for you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just want to pray right now for those in this room. And I just uh, pray, Lord, I thank you, God, that uh, you're revealing all these mysteries that really we're supposed to understand these things. You said all these things have been revealed by the Spirit. And Lord, as we get to know the word, we understand that we're not a people that will be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We're going to be those who, in fact, the greater knowledge is to know you. And we may not know all the things going on, but we know you. And I thank you. Those that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. But we do. I thank you, God. There's a remnant in America. And they're here this morning. They're watching. They have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I thank you, God. We will not be disappointed. And we will follow the Lamb wherever He leads. And another voice we will not follow. And we will follow the Lamb for He is conquered. And Lord, I thank you. That you've given us, somehow we've received this love for the truth. But I pray, God, for a greater love than we've ever known for the truth. To receive that. I pray that for our children. I pray that for our families. That they may be saved. Because that's what you said. They did not have a love for the truth that they would not be saved. And so we pray, God, that you'll give America a love for the truth again. And Lord, we pray you give the church and our nation such as the well of the Moravian well, the well of truth, as John Huss described, that we would love the truth and declare the truth, stand for the truth, adhere to the truth, live by the truth, and if need be, die by the truth. Lord, we give you praise, give you honor. I ask you to build up the people today, Lord. I ask you to fill them with faith. I bind every spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I bind all the fear that in advance, when they come out, this world body with all the latest climate, disinformation. God, Lord, I thank you. Your word has settled all these things. Lord, right now, in advance, before they release their report, we pull down the lies in Jesus' name. God, don't let the people fall. Same people behind all this other stuff, the same people behind this stuff. Lord, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Rise up, O God. Divide and destroy the tongues of the evil one. 
And God, let your truth prevail one more time across this earth. And let that truth be as it is your son, Jesus. For he is the truth. So Lord, build the people up, encourage them, fill them with faith, fill them with hope, fill them with love. Lord, remind us, we could understand all these mysteries, but if we don't have love, we become as nothing. And Lord, I ask you for a baptism of love. We don't have to not tell the truth. In fact, truth is love. If you, tell, if you really love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. If you don't love them, you'll let them die in their sin. And you'll let them continue on. But Lord, give us that same kind of love that your son had who laid down his life. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.